Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 4, Episode 16, we talked to Stephen Springborn about the Lutheran Pianist. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, it's been a while. Good to see you, or hear from you, I suppose. Well, I mean, I can see you. They just can't see us. That's true. We never post these intros online for them to see our faces. Uh, it has been a while, uh, and that is entirely my fault. Just adjusting to a new schedule uh, with my daughter starting school, and then, of course, sickness went through our house. First, my wife got it, then my daughter got it, then I got it, and it was terrible. But we're back now. We're on schedule. We're excited to finish out this year with a bunch of exciting new guests for you guys. But for starters, we're going to not have a new guest, but a guest we've heard from before, our good friend Steve Springborn. And Steve's got a new venture he's been working on, and we're really excited to hear from him. Let's get straight to that interview. Today, we are excited to welcome back to the podcast our friend Steven Springborn. Welcome, Steve. It's good to be back, guys. Steve, today we wanted to talk to you about a new venture that you've been working on creatively called The Lutheran Pianist. Can you tell us kind of how it all started? How it all started. So mostly The Lutheran Pianist uh, started when we, when we moved this summer. So I accepted a call uh, to move from my position at Nebraska Lutheran High School to Lakeside Lutheran High School in, um, in Wisconsin. And I wanted a way to stay connected to all the people that I had known and some of the people I've served in the past and get to know some of the new people in Wisconsin. And so that was a big, a big driving force behind it. And I also really wanted to find a way to, to just kind of share my music with a bigger audience. I've, um, I've been in outlying districts so much, and I got frustrated that I wasn't able to share with more people. And so I was trying to find a way to make this happen. So for, for those who maybe haven't seen any of your videos yet, uh, just what is the Lutheran pianist? What do you do? So, so far, all the Lutheran pianist does is he, um, (laughs) he, he makes, uh, he makes piano arrangements of uh, well-loved hymns and mostly through improvisation, which is, uh, one of my one of my specialties as a musician is improvising with uh, worship music. So as you are working through this, something that was recently started, new idea of connecting people. Do you have any big goals? I mean, you said right now it's mostly you're doing improvisations, well loved hymns. Um, what are some some big goals that you're hoping to accomplish through this project? Um, mostly, like I said, I really want to connect with people. I, I realize that I have a skill that not that many people have, and I want to try to find more uh, venues where I can use that to serve God's people. So uh, I can start by just doing recordings and people can listen at home. People like easy listening piano music, so I can make a YouTube playlist. Eventually, I'd like to be able to someday sit down and actually write down some of my arrangements so they're not just in my head and can be shared by other people if people want to be able to participate in the music that I'm making. Or And also, um, eventually, I'd like to be able to um, 
get out to some of the congregations in the area and maybe play for worship because that's really one of my favorite things to do is actually play real worship ceremonies. Yeah, having having heard you play many times over the years, for those of our listeners who haven't, uh, highly recommend going. We've posted some of your videos on our Hearts and Hands page, but go ahead and check out the Lutheran Penis page as well. If there are congregations out there um, that have heard your stuff and are interested in having you what be play for a, a worship service or come to a concert or something like that, how can um, they best reach you or what would be your preferred way of communicating with them? Right now, the best way to do that is going to be through my, my, uh, either my Facebook page or the Instagram page and just use uh, direct messages to do that. Um, so I've, um, I'm on Facebook at the Lutheran pianist on Facebook and also on Instagram, same handle, the Lutheran pianist. And that's right now I'm getting, eventually I'll have like a website and an email address and mailing lists, but right now we're just starting slow. So direct messaging is probably best. When it comes to playing piano, there's a lot of people that are classically trained. They play what's written and improvisation. It, like you said, is not something that's widely known. How did you find out that this was something that you were good at? How much theory did it take? I mean, what brought you to the point where you are now? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a combination. I am classically trained. Um, I studied at the collegiate level too. But also, yeah, I started dabbling with improvisation when I was in high school. I had already been playing for church for a few years and was playing for chapel services in high school. And I got really bored playing hymns. They're very, very boring. To play and you have to play the thing like six times in a row and it's just so dull. And I also this time had learned some of the sacred piano arrangements out there. Back then, Lori Line was really big. I don't know if you guys remember her. She was a big deal. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, "This is so simple." The stuff she's writing, like, and on her albums and stuff, it would boast about how she wrote this in a day. And I was like, "Yes, clearly you wrote this in a day." <laughs> Um, and I real I noticed her patterns that she used, and they were beautiful, and people loved listening to them. So I was like, I think I can do this. So I would sit down when I was going to play for chapel. I would get out my hymnal, and this is where the theory comes in. I would look through the hymn, and I would notate. Like I get out my pencil, and I write in the hymnal what are the chords for this hymn you know every single chord i write so this is a this is a d major this one is a b minor this one is a you know and eventually i eventually learned about how to notate inversions and how to talk about that too um and then i would just add arpeggios or take the melody up an octave or the things that Lori line did in her arrangements and then as i got more used to it i was able to get a little bit more daring with what i was trying to do and started experimenting with things and now that I've been doing it for 20 years, I've got quite a few different like things I can just kind of pull out and different sounds that I know I like or try something new. So it's been a, just kind of a skill that's grown since then. Now I don't, I don't notate the music anymore. I can recognize chords just from looking at them. So it's a little bit faster of a process. So as you continue to work to develop your style, are you trying to pull from influences um, nowadays, like, are there are there certain people that inspire you or styles that inspire you or every once in a while throw a jazz chord or a gospel riff in there? 
So my style is probably because it's improvisation, right? So I'm just kind of whatever I've got in my fingers at the time probably tends to be whatever I've been playing lately. So there's a lot of, and this is a weird, this is a weird, it's a lot of Stephen Sondheim in there. There's a lot of <laughs> Stephen Sondheim. He uses really dense, like textures and a lot of busy, like interior stuff and counter melodies. And I tend to use a lot of that because I've started to really like that. Um, I play a lot of Dan Forrest accompaniments. And so I use some of those kind of figures, big soaring um, octaves in the upper part of the piano and um, like broke breaking up chords with the left hand to add some really big beefy sounds, stuff like that. So yeah, now those are the two big ones right now. Like I said, it's who I, who I tend to play. <laughs> Yeah, I think when some people hear improvisation, they they think just this crazy, wild, like no kind of no intentionality behind it whatsoever. Um, but when you talk about it, it like you've got these structures and and patterns and things that are going through your head as you're doing this. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that balance between like, yeah, it can go anywhere, like you said, whatever's in your fingers right now, but at the same time. You, you know what you're doing as you're doing it. Yeah, and that's, um, and that's where I really, there's a lot of restraint you have to have if you're doing improvisation for worship, especially if you're leading a congregation, you have to be really careful and really mindful. Like the melody really has to stay prominent unless they're really comfortable. You know, if the congregation's really comfortable, then you can... Maybe the, maybe the melody goes away and it starts just being just chords and rhythms that you want to decorate with. Or, um, the, or if it's a congregation that likes to sing in harmonies, you can't get too creative changing the harmonies that are in the hymnal because if it were me and I were in the pew and I was looking forward to singing my tenor line and then it didn't work, I get, I get a little mad. So I don't want to... So like when I was at MLC, I would always try to keep the chord structures the exact same and just like embellished it rather than changing it. So um, yeah, those are some of the things I think about. Does that answer your question? Sure. Sure. Cause yeah, I think you also kind of touched on something, especially within, you know, our Wells Lutheran circles here that some people are just a little afraid of improvisation because they feel like it's too much like the, the musician just letting their emotions run wild and, and do whatever you want. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I guess it's kind of twofold. One, what role does emotion play in your your improvisation? But then also for those who maybe are a little more fearful of using something like improvisation in worship, why maybe they don't need to be. Yeah, so oof. emotion worship is so tricky. It's important yeah. that we have to talk about that, especially because music is such an emotional medium. It, that's what it does, right? That's what music does. It makes, it takes things and plants them right into your heart. And it ties words to emotions and, and amplifies them, which I think is so powerful. And honestly, I think you have to be mindful of that. As Lutherans, I'm, I, that's why I call myself the Lutheran pianist, because I'm going to do this the Lutheran way. If I weren't a Lutheran, I would put in all these schmaltzy, dramatic everythings and have everybody weeping. <laughs> ready to come up for an call, you know, but we're Lutherans. We don't do altar calls. We don't think emotion is where faith comes from. 
we know that faith is going to come from the Holy Spirit working through the word and sacraments. And so if you're going to like lean into the emotion in a worship service, which again, I don't want to be afraid of. You don't want to be afraid of emotion, but you have to be careful with it. That need to make sure motivated by the word. It has to come from there. If you're just like, oh man, let's make everybody cry. That's, uh, that's, I mean, any, I mean, every country song on the radio can make you cry, right? That is not that hard to do, but if you can get people to cry because they're thinking about how great heaven's going to be, or if you can get people to cry because they're realizing how beautiful God's mercy is, that's really something. And so whenever I'm improvising, I try to spend some time just looking over the text and what's the what's the point of this text? And the, even between the stanzas and even within a stanza, like if there's a really penitential stanza, I'm going to try to, to highlight that. And I kind of think of the, I feel like the, the piano can do that. It can act like a highlighter and like point out some really cool words in the hymn. Like, look at how beautiful this is. And if I can emphasize that with the piano, then the congregation will notice those words as they're singing and, yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to do a humble section, maybe you won't be big and like flashy. You'll just like play really simply, you know, and let the let the congregation just think about how how lowly our position is compared to God, you know, and let them just think about that. And you can lead them into those those words, but it all has to be motivated by the words. Otherwise, otherwise, like I said, you're just you're just playing a you're just playing a country song. So, that was so the I think that's a you. Yeah, that's a unique thing with, and you said specifically, there's a reason why your name is the Lutheran pianist and you're doing things the Lutheran way. There is a rich tradition in Lutheran hymnody that people can hear a melody and words come to mind. It's not just, well, that just sounds nice. Yeah. So the words play into the melody, there are melodies that work better. And you and I would probably, I think we've talked about this in the past. Not every hymn currently has the, the best uh, use of melody. No, no. And I just, I just put that video call on my, on my page asking for people to tell me about their least favorite melodies. Cause there are some awful ones out there, there's some terrible ones. but that's, I guess that's part of what I want to do with the Lutheran pianist too, is I want to do a little bit of some worship education because honestly, half of the hymns that people were pointing out, I was like, oh, I, I really like that one. Maybe, maybe people don't understand it. Maybe their organist is playing it wrong. Maybe, they're, maybe they just don't get it. Maybe they're not realizing what the composer was trying to do. Um, like I think of uh, one that some people were pointing out was God himself is present. I mean, that thing. If you go into that wrong, your organist is going to play it way too slow. And it's this repetitive over and over and over again kind of line but if you realize that the whole if you look at the text of that hymn it is such a humble hymn it is the sinner walking into the presence of god and realizing how out of place they are and realizing how big and perfect god is and trying to figure out how we can fit there and i think that simple repetitive melody in that kind of a setting actually is really meaningful and illustrates the text. But if the, if the accompanist isn't highlighting that with the way they play, 
all the all the congregation is going to think is, well, gee, that was that was dull. I got sick of singing that halfway through, and then the motif repeated, and we had to sing the whole thing again. You know, <laughs> so I think I think as a, as accompanists, it's our it's our job to do that to to try to find the the original intent of the of the poetry and the melody and communicate that to our audiences, which in church is going to be a congregation. And you talk about using this as education. Do you think there would be a place somewhere in the future where teachers who are, are working through teaching hymns to their classes could use your resources and materials to assist them in, in teaching hymnody? Hey, sure. Yeah, I'll put that on my list of goals that I made <laughs> to make a, make a, a Lutheran pianist hymnology class. I, yeah, I actually, I loved when I was at the grade school, I loved teaching hymnology. Like all my kids in my classroom, they knew they knew the big names, you know, they knew they knew which are the good composers who have the really awesome lyrics. And so every time I'd be like, oh, guys, look who wrote the text for this one, you know, and they'd be like, oh, Paul yeah. Gerhardt. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Gerhardt, all know Park, Paul Gerhardt. They all know Paul Gerhardt. They'll recognize like a, a Vita. There's a Vita, Vita text. Like, yep. It's Vita. There he is, you know. Or like a yeah, or a, a, a good shulk melody. Not all the sh- not all the shulk melodies are good, but a good. One. <laughs> you said earlier, since this is what you do is largely improvisation, you said it's whatever your fingers have in them for the time being. How hard is it then to potentially replicate? Like, will you ever truly have the same thing when you play it again, or could you be like, man, I really liked how that one went? I want to try to play it again so I can notate it or something of that nature. Like, could it be replicated? If I were a good composer, I would do exactly that. I remember that's what <laughs> Dale, Dale Witte does that. He does that. I remember yeah. when I was teaching with him, he would improvise for chapel and then he had the next hour off and he'd go back to his room and he would play the exact same thing he just played and see if he could replicate it. And that would be, if I were a good composer, I would do that. I, I don't have very much time. I haven't posted, man. I my don't. I'm, everybody's going to go to my page, and I haven't put new content on in ages because I'm so busy. But that would be a really good exercise that I should do more when I'm making the recordings. That helps because I'll maybe play through a few times and figure out what motifs I want to pull out and how I want to play them and what kind of a chord progression I want to use. So those are probably better, and I'd be better at. Um, at duplicating those, but I should do more of that. Man, you just got so many good ideas, Tim. You're really good. <laughs> awesome. Well, as always, uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We're excited to see um, what's next for the Lutheran Pianist and uh, the next videos you've got posted and the next ideas you come up with. But yeah, just thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. I love getting a chance to talk to Hearts and Hands. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have questions you want answers to, people you want to hear from, or you want to talk about your new venture you're working on, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, you can't see our faces, but if you really want to, we do have the uncut episodes of our podcast, Interview Only, available on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. We appreciate the supporters we have there, and we'd love to continue growing that as well. So be sure to check us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.